Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. J.D. Walker, our guest today, is an award-winning author, journalist, and magazine editor. She's an avid student of herbalism and gardening and has written a regular garden column for over 30 years. Her new book, Under the Sacred Canopy, Making Magic with the Mystical Trees of the World, is out now. We're also going to talk to her, I also want to talk to her about A Witch's Guide to Wildcraft, Using Common Plants to Create Uncommon Magic which she published in 2021. J.D., welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm, I'm sure this is going to be fun. It'll be great. Thanks. <laughs> and and before we got on, I have to say that I asked her, I have always heard the word dryad as a spirit in trees. And she started to explain to me what that meant and, and other other words that are used. So I'm going to ask if you'd explain that to our audience as well. Exactly. Uh, dryad comes to us from Greek mythology. Uh, the dryad was at first identified specifically with the oak tree. It's come to be accepted as a spirit that guards trees in general. Uh, you may also hear the term Hama dryad. Uh, and I believe if I'm not mistaken and butchering my Greek, uh, the Maenads were the ones who were the specific gardens guard, guardians of orchard. So your apple orchard or your fruit, uh, your uh, nut orchards, date orchards, things of that sort. Uh, but they are, it's a, come to be used as a common term for tree spirit. So that's perfectly fine to use that in conversation. Now you said that guards the tree is, is the, um, is the spirit in the tree, you know, the the tree spirit in the tree or a guard of the tree, or that is that the well, same thing? It's an interesting idea, and one you have to kind of, you, you walk a fine line. Uh, I can say that dryads specifically are guardians, generally considered guardians of the tree. They are not the tree itself. There are times when a, a nymph or a... Um, uh, a human for that matter, might get turned into a tree. And I use the example of Daphne. Uh, Daphne uh, was an adherent of Artemis. Uh, she was a follower of Artemis, uh, vowed to chastity, vowed to be uh, to live in pursuit of the hunt. Uh, but at some point, Apollo notices her, becomes enamored of her, tries to capture her, and she is, of course, running away like crazy, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, um, and appeals, some people say, to her father, who was uh, a water spirit. Uh, to Other people say she appeals to Gaia, please save me from this. I can't get away. Please save me. Uh, so she is turned into the laurel tree, the bay laurel tree. Uh, and since Apollo couldn't have her specifically, he then adopted the laurel as one of his symbols. So she becomes a tree. But for the most part, when we talk about tree spirits, we're talking about guardians of the tree. Now, in the book, when I talk about uh, seeking to connect with the energies of the tree, you can, in my opinion, uh, if you put the effort into it, you can go up to trees, touch them, or be in the presence of trees, and feel an energy. And I think Frequently, that is just a life energy. Like you notice without looking around, you know somebody's standing behind you because you feel their energy. You don't do it all the time, but mm -hmm. you do a lot of the time. Uh, by the same token, you can walk up to trees or be in the general vicinity of trees and sense an energy. Now, that is a life energy, not necessarily a tree spirit. You may very well have a tree spirit somewhere uh, around a tree, that you happen to have on your property or a, a favorite tree you have in the park or somewhere you go uh, and, and you feel that special connection. Um, there are things like um, in English uh, folklore, uh, there's something called uh, the old apple tree man. 
Uh, and he is the guardian of the orchard. It is one particular tree. There may be life energy in the orchard, but there is one particular tree that this old man inhabits, and he guards the other orchard trees. And if you're really nice to him and you take good care of his trees, he might present himself to you and tell you where his treasures are hidden. Uh, so it's a fine line. There is energy in all trees that anyone should be able to access. Not necessarily, in my opinion, will you be able to find a particular tree spirit right there on your property or right there in your general vicinity. Or if you do, you're going to have to look pretty hard and be pretty open with your um, uh, outreach in order to find one. So there's not, let's say, um, um, I have a, a tree in, in my backyard that is a uh, Russian olive. Oh, and, yes. um, uh, you know, I that tree to me has a personality. And, and that tree and I, now we're 30 years in. And we've come uh -huh. to an agreement, but we've never liked each other. <laughs> so, you know, so that to me is a, a very particular personality to that tree. And I always thought that was the tree spirit. But what uh -huh. you're saying is that it uh, that there's not a personality in a tree spirit like that, the, what I'm talking about. There there's, may or there may not. You're going to have to figure out whether or not that there is a spirit that you can relate to. Uh, I know what you're saying. There are beech trees all around where I live. Um, and I actually wrote about this in an article for, for Llewellyn many years ago. Um, and I just happened to be out walking around. It was a wonderful day. It was one of those great days, not too hot, not too cold. Weather was just perfect. And I have walking trails through the woods around my house. Uh, and it's one of those spontaneous moments where I just walked up to a beech tree and I hugged it and I just felt like the tree appreciated it and, and it was welcoming to my contact. And of course, I, I go a little further down the path and here's another one of these beech trees. I just happen to particularly love beech trees. I walk up and hug it and got nothing. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, why did that tree like me and this tree didn't like me? Right. It does but, become personal. <laughs> <laughs> it does become very personal. Uh, and in that case, what I would say is respect the tree. If it doesn't want to have anything to do with you, don't try to force yourself on it. Uh, just acknowledge that in this particular instance, you're you're not going to make a connection with that tree. Uh, maybe at some point in the future, maybe never. But there again, who says that every tree you walk up to has to like you? Mm -hmm. But they... So they don't always allow themselves to be seen where you say you That's felt true. nothing. So That's true. they wouldn't they even let you know they were there. They don't present. There's um there's a wonderful thing uh before that whenever you talked about, you know, that wonderful feeling and the tree spirits and, and the energy you felt when you walked through a forest, they looked at you like you were a Looney Tune. Uh but now they <laughs> Now the uh, the Japanese have a term for it that translates into forest bathing, um, and I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard uh, that particular. I've heard term. that, yeah. Uh, but what it what it details is that when you go into a forested area, you your your biology begins to change, your your blood pressure just naturally begins to drop, your feelings of anxiety and stress are almost immediately relieved or certainly within a short period of time that you're in there. And if you will allow yourself to experience that, it's almost like a little mini vacation because it takes all of those stress factors away from you. And I think that is the general ambiance or, or uh, spirit energy of the trees in that forest that you happen to be walking through. Uh, now, as, as you mentioned, there are a number of instances where um, the trees don't want you around. Uh, if any of your listeners happen to have read uh, Frank Oz uh, and uh, the uh, trips that Dorothy makes and she encounters the angry orchard trees uh, and they're very upset uh, with anyone who comes into their area. They have a reason for it if you read their mythology uh, because there has been abuse in the past. Uh, and of course, everyone who is familiar with um, uh, Tolkien's work knows that the Ents uh, were, and the Hurons, were there to protect the trees. The Ents were more accepting of 
other contexts, but the Hurons were particularly angry and particularly uh, opposed to having anything, you know, orgs, trolls, dwarfs, humans. They didn't want anybody around because the forest had been abused at one time and that negative energy was there. You'll hear people talk about um, uh, places where there was a battlefield or where some sort of terrible event happened, a bad murder or something like that. Uh, and I personally experienced this whenever uh, I, I went out uh, once on a story and had to go down this long country road to where someone was taken out and shot. Uh, I, and just as a uh, way of background, uh, I was a reporter for uh, about 20 years for a local newspaper. And unfortunately, it was my luck to have to go out and find this crime site because they assumed the police would still be there. So I'm driving down through there and it's just getting creepier and creepier the further that I go yeah. into this forest. <laughs> there was a negative incident that happened there. So mm -hmm. there are, it's not all Disney World out there. Sometimes you, you encounter a wonderful situation. Sometimes you don't encounter any great feelings and, and occasionally something negative has happened and it's really impacted the local environment to the point where you feel it. You don't know why you feel it, but you feel it. Did the trees uh, withdraw because of a negative situation like that? Do you do they withdraw and protect themselves, or are yeah. you, or do they just absorb the negative energy? Am I getting too detailed here? No, <laughs> not really. Uh, when in chapter two, I talk about a particular situation. This is an extreme situation uh, where uh, there is a tree called a jaboko tree. Uh, and these are trees that, again, have been uh, at an area where there was a really bad battle. And the blood seeps down into the ground, as of course it would naturally do when people are killing each other right and left. The trees develop a taste for it. And the legend is that anyone who wanders by at that point, they will snatch up and drain their blood out. Uh, you can Jeez. take that literally, or you can take that figuratively yeah. as, as in drawing out your life energy. Um, so in that case, they absorb the negative impact of the human activity around them and reacted to that by becoming negative themselves. Um, I think when we go into a situation and we don't feel the energy of the trees, it's not that they have something against humans. It's that they have their own thing going on. Uh, we know there have been a number of uh, studies done recently that talk about the um, uh, the root mind. I don't know if you heard that term. I have, not. yeah. Uh, where, oh, not the term, but the I think the idea. Yeah, of, the idea of that the communication that, through the roots. They communicate with each other. They share resources with one another. They share resources even in times when it's not necessarily to their benefit to share the resources. Uh, they send alarms out to say, I'm being attacked by insects. You know, if you're able to make some sort of defense for yourself, make it now because these insects are attacking me. Uh, so we know that they communicate and it's perfectly reasonable to assume that just because they don't want to interact with us doesn't mean they don't like us. It's just that mm -hmm. they have their existence to maintain as well, just like us. Sometimes somebody can walk up to you and you completely ignore them because you're so focused on what you are doing whatever that happens to be, shopping or working or whatever. Not that you don't like the person that walked up to you. It's just that you're uber-focused on your own particular situation at that time. And as humans, of course, we think we are the center of the universe <laughs> and everybody should be paying attention. <laughs> we're like exactly. little kids. We're not aware. They actually have their own thing. <laughs> exactly. And I do uh, want to be sure that as I communicate this, I'm not trying to turn trees into you know, leafy humans <laughs> because they're not. Uh, and when I say uh, a tree energy or tree spirit or tree awareness, um, I don't mean that there's a mind in there somewhere or other that we could relate to ourselves. It, it's just a different type of sentience, uh, I guess is, is what I would say, uh, that just because we don't necessarily understand it uh, doesn't mean we should ignore it and say it just doesn't exist. They're, they don't have brains. They don't have 
a soul like a human soul therefore you know they're, they're just trees they're just wooden things out there i just feel like trees are more than just a wooden thing Right. Again, going back to humans and our smallness, <laughs> we can't conceive of different consciousness is what it sounds like. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You have to be very open to it. And pagans call that magic. They call that spiritual. They call it metaphysical. A scientist would say, well, no, I think I have a rational explanation for it. Therefore, it cannot be spiritual. There's no such thing as spiritual. Uh, I think it's a different way of saying the same thing. And I'm amazed, and I think everybody is, amazed at the complexity and depth of their community. This is, it, this it is. what you were talking about before. It's it's and the and the um caring, you know, where mm -hmm. where one tree may actually sacrifice itself to save the mm -hmm. community. It's you know, that is, is true. Yeah, and it's in, yeah. it's interesting for any of the folks who do any gardening out there. Uh, you have your outliers in the tree community too. Uh, if uh, I don't know, uh, I know in New York you should be able to find black walnut trees. Uh, I don't know if you can. I don't know how pervasive their reach is in California. You you originally are, are from California, right? Actually, I grew up on in on the East Coast. I oh, okay. but I live in Denver now. You know, I Denver. swear, only trash trees grow. Oh. <laughs> Anybody who says that is going to be upset oh, in my yard. <laughs> but you have, you have. Uh, I'll, I'll segue here for just a minute. You should have plenty of aspen trees. We do, and they're beautiful. And they they're beautiful. Are... That's why I had to bring it back and say, "In my yard, you know." <laughs> but in, in that, uh, we do. Yeah, in the aspen community, aspen community. I'm trying to remember. It's like. 16 acres of an Aspen community that are all related. They genetically tested them. They're all related to one another. They, that is an Aspen community. It's essentially one organism across about 16 wow. acres. And it's amazing the way that that very tight-knit community exists and, again, cooperates uh, with itself. But to get back to my uh, original point, before we go, uh, are, though, is there a leader? Is there an elder? <laughs> is there a community like that? I don't know if they have ever found a leader or not. <laughs> we assume that it would be one of the older trees, which, which gets into mm -hmm. another wonderful discussion. Uh, but you assume it would be one of the elder trees. That yeah, yeah. when you hear that, you think, oh, my God, that's like an extended family. So exactly. does, is there a hierarchy? <laughs> I know. Hopefully it gets a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. the, the point about the outliers, even in the arboreal community, uh, anyone who is around uh, black walnut trees, it's a Jungle um, uh, tree, um, mm -hmm. their natural habitat is in the south, but they've been planted a lot of places now. So you might be able to find them across the U.S., probably getting a little too far north to get them up in the Denver area, particularly if you're uh, up in the mountainous areas. But the oh. point is they exude a particular chemical that tends to kill off plants in their immediate vicinity so that they don't have any competition uh, for the wow. the nutrients, the water, and, and whatever else is available out there. Now, it's not uber toxic. It's, it's just one of those deterrents that if you have tried, if you have a, a black walnut tree and you've tried to get grass to grow under it, or you've tried to put shrubbery under it to kind of fill it in a little bit, and it doesn't grow, the reason is that tree has kind of an antisocial nature. So mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to get much of anything to grow under it. It's it's pretty much on its own or or wants to be strictly growing in the company of other black walnut trees. Would that be because it needs the nutrients for its growth and there's not enough for others? I, you know, that in, kind of thing. In my experience, that's not the case. I've seen walnut trees, black walnut trees, uh, growing in areas that there was an abundance of water, certainly more than enough to take care mm -hmm. of that particular tree and, and others around it. Uh, I, I think it just has an antisocial nature. It's like the crotchety <laughs> old man on the porch, get off my lawn. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's It's a beautiful tree, though. <laughs> oh, it's a lovely tree. I love the smell of it. Uh, walnut furniture is some of my most popular or my most favorite uh, furniture mm -hmm. because it has that, that rich character to it. It's very fine wood uh, to make stuff out of as well. 
And very hard wood, isn't it? Very hard, very hard. That's why yeah. it was used, uh, popular to be used in furniture. Uh, I think it probably is only outstripped by cherry and oak as popular furniture material. Well, unless you're you're building IKEA type furniture, in which case you're getting yeah, yeah. press board. It, and uh, yeah, I was going to say, is that really? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, so, the tree of life and the universal tree you talk mm -hmm. about. I don't know. Right. If, I don't want to move you ahead because I want to talk about the magical, you know, uh -huh. but um, those as well. Well, uh, the tree of life, uh, the original um, uh, title for the book was uh, uh, in the grove of the universe tree, uh, because mm -hmm. a tree of life is not a universe tree. A universe tree is one that unites heaven, the mundane plane that we live on, and the underworld, however you conceive the underworld, some people see it as a, a dark, foreboding place. Others just see it as a place where ancestors go or particular uh, chthonic deities uh, are available. Um, so they, this, the universe tree combines these three levels, these three tiers. And there are examples of that just uh, amazing. That was one of the wonderful things about the research I did for the book. Uh, we all know Edrasil, uh, the uh, Nordic tree. Um, that's a good example of one, but you can find them all over the world. Uh, and we can talk about that a little bit more in detail, but in the Grove of the Universe tree, there is also trees of life. And those are usually where, uh, we have stories of how life begins. Um, for instance, uh, in, um, in Samaria, one of my favorite stories in the research for the book was um, there was a city called Eridu. It was one of five cities that were uh, created at the beginning of time. Uh, and in Eridu, there was a garden. And there was this tree, a tree of, of life, the Kishkanu tree. Uh, anyone who uh, ate the fruit from it was immortal. Uh, it had um, uh, crystal roots. It had uh, turquoise and gems throughout it. It was just a, a beautiful tree. Um, is this Adam and Eve? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother tree. <laughs> we'll talk okay. about that one in a minute, too, if you want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but at this point, uh, in this particular creation story, um, the uh, main god is Enel, um, uh, E-N-L-I-L. Um, and... Um, he becomes very dissatisfied with the people who he's created to worship the deities. They, they're just noisy. They offend him. So he decides he's going to flood the air. He's just going to get rid of the air. Um, and fortunately for humanity, another deity, Inky, uh, tells a particular family so that they can create a boat. And they, the world is flooded. Eridu um, is flooded. The Kishkanu tree is flooded. Uh, and only this particular family survives uh and eventually they repopulate the earth so there there's one of your christian myths an origin for one of your christian <laughs> myths uh so at that point uh having been a source of creation uh for the world and for humanity uh the kishkanu tree is gone we don't even know for sure what kind of tree they were talking about when they say kishkanu tree in the sumerian legends uh, they um uh the city, interestingly, the city of Eridu still lives. Uh, it's called something different now, and I apologize. I meant to write that down, and I, I don't remember the other name. And besides, it's not as pretty as the word Eridu. Uh, but uh, that is a tree of life. It becomes a tree of origin, and once it's gone, it's gone. And you frequently will find that uh, to be the case, that you cannot get back to the tree of life. In the Christian tree of life that is an exception that one is one that you're promised that after uh everything happens uh the world is destroyed and and everyone is re uh, resurrected who deserves to be resurrected uh will be able to eat from the tree of life and and have immortal life it was not supposed to be a tree that is the origin of life but is a tree that will sustain life uh and again we don't know what kind of tree it was because when you look at the uh the old um uh, uh the old records uh they use a generic term it was generally some kind of fruit tree 
you know, mm-hmm. who knows what kind they of They assumed tree. we all knew. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. And uh, people yeah. at the time probably did know. I mean, it might have been an olive tree. might have been a cedar tree. Who mm-hmm. knows? Uh might have been a pomegranate tree. Uh, and the same applies to the other category of tree, which is the trees of wisdom, uh, because in the Christian literature, you have the tree of life and the tree of uh, knowledge. Um, and Christians don't seem to pay a whole lot of attention to the tree of life, except to know that it's there. If and when they get to heaven, they get to eat from it. Uh, they're more interested in the tree of knowledge. And this is the knowledge of the difference between good and evil is usually uh, what people uh, perceive it to be. Uh, it's frequently considered to be an apple tree. That's impossible because apples weren't introduced into that area of the um, Mediterranean uh, until about 2000 BC, and they probably would not have been widespread. Uh, so mm-hmm. we know it's it couldn't be an apple tree. Uh, the interesting thing is that when um, St. Jerome was doing the Vulgate translation of the scriptures uh, into Latin, he was aware that in Latin, the term that was used for apple, M-A-L-U-S, uh, with a, a slightly different um, diacritical mark, a uh, grammatical mark. Uh, like the little but, smile one? <laughs> yeah, like the little smile. Um, yeah. You use a slightly different one, and M-A-L-U-S means evil. Uh, so he decided that was a good metaphor, so he assigned the word malice to the tree. So everybody picked it up, and now it's considered an apple tree. Again, couldn't have happened because even with the, the most... Uh, uh, generous estimations of time in the Bible, you you only go back to around 4,000 BC. So there were no apple trees <laughs> in Eden. Sorry. Uh, but again, it's, it's a so tree. So much for of- the knowledge, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Knowledge isn't going to help you on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, that's one of those trees. I've heard people say everything from um, again, olive tree, pomegranate tree. Someone suggested grapefruit tree, which again can't happen because the grapefruit isn't um, isn't discovered or, or doesn't hybridize until uh, well uh, well into the uh, modern era. Uh, I want to say in the 1700s, but I could be off on that particular date. Uh, but at any rate, the the tree of knowledge that gets a lot of um, uh, a lot of press, so to speak. Uh, because we associate it, uh, at least in the, religi- the the Christian traditions I was originally brought up in, uh, that was the knowledge of sex. You know, that's what the big deal was in the Garden of Eden. They eat the fruit and they go, whoo, yeah, you're naked. You know, I find that attractive. Let's get together. Um, <laughs> Talk about reducing it quickly. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in in more serious studies, they they suggest that in eating the uh, fruit from this tree, they became aware of their existence separate from God. And when they separated from God, God took the next step and separated him from his kingdom, from his general vicinity. So they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden with the promise that, again, after suffering and being a good Christian, or in this case, a good Jew, uh, at some point you get to come back into the company of God uh, and again, uh, partake of the tree of life and and, uh, be back in God's good grace. Um, So it's a a very long involved story, but those are two good examples of trees of life, trees of wisdom, not universe trees. Mm -hmm. You know what? I want to take a break right now, and okay. uh, we're going to come back and talk some more about the universe tree and the tree of life and the tree of wisdom. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. 
Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and we're back with J.D. Walker talking about the her new book, Under the Sacred Canopy, talking about uh, the trees. And one of the questions I wanted to clarify is the difference between the universal tree and tree of life, because I think in many ways those two have gotten merged in our universal consciousness, in our mm-hmm. human consciousness. So um, I was wondering if you could clarify it just a little bit better for me. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, and, and it's not uncommon for people to assume that a tree of life is a universe tree. Uh, a tree of life, uh, in all the research that I have done, is an origin story. It tells us where human life comes from. In some cases, the tree of life is uh, created by deity or simply becomes uh, and from their life flows, uh, a deity might come along and, and use certain parts of the tree to make animals and certain parts of the tree to make people and certain parts of the tree to make other plants. But when that happens, the tree of life has done its thing and it's gone. And, and as we mentioned earlier in the Christian mythology, the tree of life does continue to to stay in paradise that will provide eternal life to those who hopefully after they have died, go on to heaven. Uh, They get to eat from the tree of life. That is an example of a tree of life that stayed and assumably you can access if you make it that far. And of course, we all know we don't all make it that far. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The universe tree gives structure to the universe. Uh, Religion uh, is supposed to give you an understanding of the world so that you can do things like um, uh, know where your social boundaries are, uh, know what is expected of you in your community and to your deities. Uh, but very importantly, it is supposed to tell you how this world is made up. You know, where is the structure and where do I fit in? Uh, so we have very uh, good examples in, again, Edrasil, where the upper canopy is for the, the good deities, uh, folks like uh, Freya and Odin and uh, Thor, uh, those deities that would be generally helpful to humanity. Um, We have the mundane world where some of the elves and the humanity live, and then we have the underworld where you don't want to be, uh, where uh, you have several levels of hell, uh, and uh, and then, of course, you have hell, who is the deity of of that particular area, and uh, some of the giants and, and some of the darker elves and dwarves. Um, so it gives structure. You know where you can be when you look up at the, the night sky and you go, I'm just a speck in the universe. Well, no, I know where I am. I am I'm on this level of Earth. Uh, if you were in Central America and either Mayan or Aztec, uh, you would see the giant Ciba tree. That is their universe tree. Edrasil is an ash tree in most mythologies. Occasionally you hear it referred to as an oak, but generally it's accepted to be an ash tree. Uh, The Central American tree is a Ciba tree. And again, it divides the world on three planes. Gods up here, your level here in the middle, and a, a very difficult area where you go to it's not called hell, but you go through it and, and eventually end up in oblivion. But it also divides the world on this plane into four cardinal directions with deities, with certain responsibilities that if you need this in your life, you offer sacrifice and uh, uh, supplications to those deities. If you need something else, maybe you apply to the the northern deities. But it's very detailed, and I, don't, I guess we shouldn't be surprised given uh, the Mayans and the Aztecs were very detailed in their calendars. So I, I guess we shouldn't be mm-hmm. surprised that they're very detailed in their understanding of how the universe was set up. So that is, uh, for for my understanding and most of my research, that is the difference between the tree of life and the universe tree. 
The universe tree gives you structure, tells you where you are in the universe, where you can be, where you can't be, where you will eventually be. Uh, tree of Life is an origin story, tells you how things came to be. Usually it's gone. You can't get to it anymore. Occasionally with Trees of Wisdom, this is not the case in the case of the Christian Tree of Wisdom. You can't get to that either. Uh, but occasionally the Trees of Wisdom are still there. Uh, they might be in China. It's the, uh, uh, well, that's a Tree of Life. Pintu to Peach is a Tree of Life in China. Uh, but if you could get to that area where, for instance, um, uh, there's a, a tree of the sun and tree of the moon uh, in an Alexander legend from uh, Persia um, in that area of Iran and Iraq, uh, where if you could get back to the garden of uh, Bacalai, you could get to that wisdom tree and, and ask it for information. Of course, we don't know where the garden of Bacalai was. It's somewhere in the Punjab region, but you know, how are you going to find that? Um, but mm -hmm. assuming uh, you could find that tree, you could go and ask them. You can go to uh, Dodona in Greece uh, and talk or commune with the sacred oaks of Dodona. Uh, you could go to uh, Delphi and try to communicate with the sacred laurels of Delphi. Those trees still exist and are available uh, either as conduits for information or um, uh, actual spiritual entities that provide information if, if you happen to subscribe to those traditions. So anyway, that that's where the different trees are. Uh, I was interested in the universe tree as a, as a concept. So it, as I wrote this book, I was kind of building towards that. We talk about tree energy and tree spirits and then trees of life right. and trees of wisdom and then the universe tree. Um, and then finally, at the end of the book, uh, we also talk about the trees that are in your landscape, probably in your landscape, because I tried to deal with common trees and ways that you could incorporate them either through meditation or using materials from them uh, to supplement your religious traditions. You make incense, you can make tools, you can make uh, you can use them as sources of meditation, uh, viewing them in a particular way to maybe seek answers on the astral plane. Uh, so we, we give several examples of how you can incorporate the trees right around you. Don't have to go to some exotic area. You don't have to go find the Bodhi tree. In, uh, in you don't India. have to travel across the wor world, huh? <laughs> exactly. That takes that excuse away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're right there. You can get to work and, and actually incorporate them. And I would encourage anyone to to do that. Um, I'm going to go a little bit into the plants as well because oh, you sure, actually sure. have a yeah, I have a different book completely about the plants. And that's exactly. fascinating to me, the, the oh, thank you. Uh, combination plants and all of that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, that is the my first book, which is A Witch's Guide to Wildcraft. Uh, and again, I took the um, I took the idea that you don't have to have exotic ingredients to supplement your religious activities. Uh, you okay. don't have to to be a gardener to to supplement your uh, to use plants from your environment. Uh, certainly that's a wonderful thing. And if you have the uh, the land that you can do that on, whether you own it or wherever you live, they allow you to garden. I strongly recommend that people do that. It's a very satisfying thing to do. But I realized about, oh golly, um, maybe 15 years ago, uh, as I was looking through Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, a uh, very popular book, I'm sure a lot of folks know about it, regardless of their tradition. I was leafing through it going, you know, I can either grow or source probably 60, 70 percent of these plants right here. And because at the time my financial situation was a little tight, it was a good idea that I could do that because I didn't have to spend money. I didn't have to mail order for stuff. Uh, I could just go out, harvest it at the right time, prepare it in a particular way. And I have my supplies that I might need for whatever religious practice I'm, I'm doing. Uh, so I explain how to do that in the book. I explain why we do that in the book. I, I really don't, I don't like the idea that someone comes up and says, here, take this particular plant and burn it on this particular day with this color candle. And that's going to get you what you 
what you know. Well, why this particular plant? Why, why not that plant? So I tried right. to look at uh, some of the other, or uh, some of the, the rationale for what we did. Uh, and a lot of it, again, is, is discounted these days as being, well, the ancient people, they didn't really know what they were talking about. Uh, so we'll, we'll just pretend like, well, they didn't know. So it's all garbage. Uh, there are energies to plant. <laughs> there are energies to plants, just like there are energies to trees. And when you marry like with like, so for instance, rice is a prosperity, or usually beans and seeds are prosperity talismans. Uh, they contain, like an egg, they contain the potential for life. We're uh, recording this on the um, the weekend, going into Easter, and. All of the Abrahamic traditions like to use eggs as a symbol for life because it can it carries the potential for life. So you bring those energies in if you are trying to uh, create prosperity in your life. Um, and it breaks down even further. This is another reason why I wrote the book. Um, I started to find people who said, here's a list of 20 herbs and they're all used for prosperity, just as an example. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. Some of them could be used for prosperity as in money. Some of them are right. used for prosperity in the sense of creating um, this home environment uh, mm -hmm. where you have the things that you need to, to, feel, to feel prosperous. <clears throat> and some of them are for creating family. So that some people feel that they are prosperous when they have a supporting family around them. Mm -hmm. So they can be used and you could generally say prosperity, but you have to be careful with just grabbing any one off of that particular list of 20 different herbs uh, and make sure that you've done enough study to marry the right herb to the right process or to the right purpose, I guess you would say, uh, in order to get what you need. <clears throat> Um, some people sometimes ask me, well, if I, um, uh, for instance, if I take these uh, rose petals uh, and I blend them in an incense with myrrh and I light a red candle, that means Prince Charming is going to be at my door the next day, right? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Doing that will raise those energies in your life to help you achieve what you need in the mundane world. Uh, it, it's like um, the energy drink that you take before you go out to work out or to, to run your, your daily jog or whatever you're doing. Drinking the energy drink won't make you a marathon runner, but it will help you get there. Uh, and in mm -hmm. the same sense, the herbs and the resins and the things that we use, the magical work that we do, will not suddenly flip a switch and, and drop a bag of money at your door or give you that perfect partner or, or suddenly take away the health problem that you're having. Uh, but yeah. they will give you, they will help to raise the energy you need to achieve that yourself in the mundane world. And, and that's what you need to do. I'm, I'm not an advocate of just wishful thinking. Uh, in my opinion, spell work, ritual work is an act of prayer. You can pray. And that's a wonderful thing to do, to commune with your deity or, or your energies, however you like. Uh, but prayer is a passive thing. When you don't combine it with some action, uh, if you pray uh, for peace in your community and, and then don't go out and vote for the right people or help uh, uh, with community outreach so that everybody feels like a community, uh, that prayer alone isn't going to do you any good. Uh, if you pray for your health to be better, whatever your particular condition is, and that's all you do, it's not going to be very helpful. But if you use the right herbs to raise the right energy and you care for yourself and you do those things that you're supposed to do, your mind is more set up to achieve the goal that you're after. Uh, I, I think we're all very familiar with the uh, notion that uh, placebos work. Uh, there's mm -hmm. any number of stories that uh, you give somebody a pill and you tell them to make their headache go away. And, and 10 minutes later, a lot of them will say, hey, my headache went away. Well, you just took a saccharin tablet, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it's a big deal. You believe that it worked. You put your energy into the notion that it worked. And that's what herbs, whether you're talking about trees or plants, do for you 
when you incorporate them into your magical work and do more than simply pray to a deity or pray to an energy to do this for you. You also have to do it for yourself in the mundane world. It's a supplement. Hey, I have a really basic question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like uh, rice and beans or prosperity. Why? Yes. Why, because they contain, why are they? They contain the potential for increase. You have that one little bean, that one mm -hmm. little bean seed. You stick it in the ground, the plant comes up, and it's not. it doesn't give you back one bean. It gives you back okay. hundreds of beans. Same I thing with it. rice. You put that rice in the ground, assuming you had not dried it. You can't do this with your kitchen rice. But you put yeah. that rice <laughs> in the ground. It comes up. It creates <clears throat> a, a seed head which is many times more than that one little bit of seed that you put there. So what we believe is that like attracts like. Mm -hmm. So if I use those things that cause increase in the mundane world, apply that to our spiritual belief, I'm trying to achieve increase. Let's say uh, I'm doing some sort of uh, spell work uh, so that when I go and talk to my boss about getting that uh, salary increase that I believe I deserve, uh, mm -hmm. that that will help me influence him or her to get that uh, wage increase. And, and we know how difficult sometimes it is to do that solicitation for a wage increase. Uh, so we're doing the spell work to give ourselves courage, to give ourselves belief, to give ourselves faith, that when we go and present a good case to our supervisor, that he or she will go, you know, you're right. You are a valuable asset. We can pay you some more money to be here, or we can give you some more benefits to keep you here. Now, again, as I say many times, if you do the spell work and you don't present the good case, you just walk in there and say, give me more money, it's probably not going to work for you. But if you do that and you create that energy and you get that vibe going in yourself and you get that belief going in yourself, and then you supplement that with Give me more money because I work hard. I'm always here for you. Remember that project we did that I spearheaded and we got all more business or we got greater productivity. You present your case to the supervisor and you give him or her the opportunity to respond to that energy and say, you know, you're right. You are more valuable. So, yeah, we're, we're going to negotiate for more money or more benefits or, or maybe a position change or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, this gets back to um, something that I referenced with, uh, in a discussion with someone else earlier. Many years ago, before he passed away, Carl Llewellyn um, sent out what was, for me, a surprising, rather rare uh, notice, press release, um, that he was looking for books that explained magic better or explained rituals. This is work. Llewellyn, the publisher, who is yes, now Llewellyn's, Llewellyn publisher, yeah, is, because a lot yeah. of people don't know the oh, background. Excuse me, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, the um, this is um, Carl Llewellyn started uh, the company, as I understand it, started out initially doing um, uh, books for uh, astrology. You know, you, you want to mm -hmm. see what's projected for Sagittarius for this particular year. Here it is printed out. Uh, and then they, they have grown to be a, a in my particular case, a wonderful publisher of metaphysical books um, mm -hmm. and they, that's worldwide. You work with them um, quite a bit with their authors, yeah. Oh, well, and they're we a wide that. range. <laughs> yeah, a wide range. Yes, they do exactly. Have a wide range. That's how we, we've known each other. We've met. That, yeah. That is wonderful. Well, he sent the solicitation out and said people ask him all the time for books that are more in depth that explain the house and the why. And it's very hard to do on the written page. It can be done, uh, but it's very hard to do. Uh, he was trying to get away from just, um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone who's written one of these, uh, cookbooks. Here's a whole book of spells. Go do these. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Why will you be fine? As you were saying, why is that seed? Well, what mm -hmm. does that got to do with prosperity? Well, this is why. And somebody Figure that out long before me. I didn't come up with that idea. Uh, but that's what I, I try to do in my books. Try to explain the why so that you can have more confidence in what you're doing, regardless of whatever your spiritual tradition happens to be. Uh, I know people who consider themselves Christian witches. Um, they feel perfectly comfortable 
doing the work they do in the framework of the Christian mythology. And and that's fine. Um, I have known uh, a few, not very many. I've, I've known a few people who, again, a Jewish tradition, they adhere to that tradition, but they incorporate magic into that. So you know, yeah. by all means, uh, you know, uh, use your faith to to work your your magic, but understand why it's supposed to work. That gives you more confidence in why it works. It's not just something you imagine. It's not just something that you saw in the most popular book right now or on mm-hmm. the most popular podcast right now. There's a, a rationale for it. And if you understand that, I think it gives you more confidence as you try to do whatever it is you're trying to do in your tradition. Um, how important is it for for the plants you use to be local plants? How important is to the magic is the and the vibration is that it's local? Or um, it's, you know uh, what I mean. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, uh, again, in uh, <clears throat> in the uh, Witch's Guide to Wildcraft, I make the point that there is nothing wrong with buying your herbs through a wholesaler or, excuse me, just a sec, uh, through your local New Age store, by all means, support your local New, new Age store. Uh, but when you go out and harvest your own plant material, you connect with that plant. You see how that plant grows. You begin to understand why uh, this particular plant is used the way that it's used. Uh, to go back to the bay laurel, um, one of the reasons why it is used uh, in magic is that uh, there is actually a chemical in the plant that uh, will allow you, um, some people say it opens the third eye, other people simply say that it helps them <clears throat> to get in the mental state of, of being able to scry or read cards or, or something. You don't want to eat too much of it because it, it can have disastrous effects if you eat too much of it, <laughs> both intestinally and, and mentally. Uh, but when you relate to the plants personally, you understand better why they do what they do, why you are harvesting that plant to help you with love or to help you with security protection. You see... Uh, on the uh, spiny plants, uh, any of the spiny plants uh, that we have, like the nettles, uh, they're a protective plant. Uh, why are they a protective plant? Because they have little uh, hair-like uh, appendages that whenever you get near them, they get in your your skin and they sting. Uh, hot plants are protective plants. Why are they protective plants? They're like fire. Fire keeps the bad things away. If you are living out in the wilderness, you've got fire. You can pretty much keep anything away from you. Uh, So if you have a plant that will give you the essence of fire, then you have something that lends that fire energy, that protective energy to your spell work. So this is why these plants are associated with that. You see them growing, you experience them as they're coming up, you understand better. And I think it also gives you a, a greater respect for for your environment when you are out there literally harvesting from your your yard or from the the area around your house places where you have legal access to it makes you connect to nature better when you connect to nature better you can connect to deity better uh nature is a tangible um uh, it's a tangible presentation of deity in my particular opinion uh mm-hmm. we can't necessarily touch deity but we can see it manifest in nature and, and that again i think can strengthen your faith or will strengthen your faith is again that is my particular interpretation uh my belief system mm-hmm. and that's wild crafting right yes that or is in wild crafting. Ex- yeah <clears throat> i do explain I just, it a little bit more in uh, i was gonna say this. i just made it too little you want to explain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> uh, i do i do get into this um in the under the sacred canopy i get into it in more detail in uh, a witch's guide to wildcraft uh, and i apologize for my throat <clears throat> uh don't mean to keep uh interrupting us that way but yes, we explained that. That's why both uh, both books include a little bit of botany, a little bit of um, biological, uh, uh, botanical information, so that you can relate better. For one thing, it helps um, to understand 
different plant structures, different plant nomenclature, so that you're getting the right plant. Um, one that we uh, we can use a lot um, is the um, the poplar tree. You say poplar in the south, you're talking about this liradendron. It's a great big tall tree. It makes a, a beautiful flower, yellow and orange flower uh, that looks like a tulip. So it's frequently called a tulip poplar. Uh, so that's one tree. Uh, in the Midwest, uh, where you're from, poplar means aspen. So if you don't know the different plant structures and you're just, you go online, you say, send me a poplar herb. Well, you might get aspen, you might get uh, liradendron. You don't know because you didn't ask the right thing. If you know what to ask for, you get the right thing. If you know what to look for so that you go out and you see, for instance, and we were talking about the black walnut, um, black walnut has a, a multi-leaf structure, compound leaf structure. Uh, if that was the only thing you knew about a black walnut, you might go out and pick some sumac because you say, hey, it has a compound oh, leaf geez, structure. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm a city kid. That's exactly that's where I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I include a little botany, not to overwhelm people, uh, not to, to say, oh, now, now I've got to go and get a degree in biology. No, you don't. But you do need okay. to know a little bit about mm -hmm. the plant structure, the names that we use. And as, as irritating as it may be, you do need to be able to identify your plants by their Latin name so that when you ask for something, you get what you ask for. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. We're actually coming to the end. It's always, oh my goodness. always surprised how fast <laughs> it goes and so much information. It does. It but does. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows where to get hold of you and get hold of your books and anything you have coming up. You talked about a lecture you might be doing. Oh, yes. And I got confirmation on that uh, just uh, oh, about good. a day after I sent you the, the information. Oh, I, will be, I will be presenting at the Mystic South. And it, again, we'll be talking more in detail about how to connect with the trees in your particular environment, whether you're talking about the tree energy or tree spirit, or uh, we'll do a little meditation on the universe tree because there's a way uh, that you can use that to do astral travel. So we'll be talking about that. That's at oh, uh, South yeah. and in July, uh, in Atlanta, uh, if you and this uh, is twenty twenty three because we'll be yes. out there in oh. other years. <laughs> yes, it, that's yeah. true. that is this year. Well, they actually yeah. had to cancel it during COVID, of course, uh, yeah. but they they started back up last year and uh, again uh, this year, and I'm still going strong. Um, oh. <clears throat> if uh, people want to reach out to me, they can uh, find me on Facebook at uh, House of Akasha. GSO, that's A-K-A-S-H-A-G-S-O, Greensboro, North Carolina. <clears throat> uh, that's a good way to message me. My books are available, of course, through Llewellyn, Llewellyn.com, uh, or you can go on Amazon, I'm happy to say, and find them as well. Um, they should be available uh, through Barnes & Noble, or if, is Borders still in business? Nah, gone. Sure well, yeah, gone, 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 unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I like that store. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did too. There was one nearby. Yeah. I really enjoyed going there. But yeah. Barnes and Noble yeah. is still with us, so um, mm -hmm. they can also be uh, picked up through Barnes and Noble mm -hmm. and local bookstores as well. Oh, of course. We want to make sure they stay. Yes. And are you, and metaphysical because I know Llewellyn sells quite a bit through me metaphysical stores. If you have yeah, new age great. stores in your area, as a matter of fact, um, the um, the sales of um, the Witch's Guide. Uh, are still going very well at my friend's shop in uh, Greensboro. Uh, she regularly goes through about five to 10 copies a month. Um, wow. And I know that because I keep her supplied with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's such a big um, time period. It's spring. So hey, everybody's right. getting ready. Yeah. This, this is the time to pick <laughs> it up. This is rebirth you know? here, re and, you and know, growing. I have been so pleased. We live in a community where I think there's like six or seven college, colleges just right in, in Greensboro. And it's so gratifying to me when I have young people come in and say, this is the book that I needed so that I could understand better. I'm just getting started and I want to know what I'm doing and, and where I should go. It's not supposed to be an end all and be all book. Uh, it's one that can help you get started so you know which direction you want to go. Uh, and I give plenty of resources in the back of both of the books so that you can do additional research. I'm very big on 
of continuing your learning. You never, never, never stop learning. Uh, And that is metaphysical or in life in general. You always want to keep your mind open to new ideas and new research or or new concepts that come out Mm -hmm. uh, as, as time goes by. Well, that you have been help, very helpful in that respect today. <laughs> thank you, thank you thank so you. much. <laughs> thank you for being on. It's been wonderful. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics: A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.